Hey guys, uh, on today's episode, we have a former uh, military member uh, who loves to interview veterans uh, of the U.S. military. And along with his podcast, he specializes in being able to take long-form content and make it into uh, multiple, multiple, multiple pieces of content. And he shows people how to do that. Uh, he's been doing that with uh, large, lots of Fortune 500 companies. And uh, he's been building uh, his business for years after uh, his service in the military. And today's show, he just shares a really intimate look on what it's like to be a human being on this planet and building a business and all the things that come with that. And uh, I just really appreciate our guest today. His name, Justin Nasiri. And ladies and gentlemen, on today's show, we have Justin Nasiri. Justin, thank you for coming on the show today. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Well, Justin, I, I'm looking forward to this episode and this, forget about this episode. I'm looking forward to this conversation mm. because, you know, you've, you've said, uh, you've done a lot of things in your life uh, and you've shared that you've been through a lot of ups and downs. And so I'm really curious um, because I've had a pretty sorted past. So I, I'd love to, uh, to hear some of the things that you've been through. But before we get to that, uh, can you just give us give us like a little bit of Justin, the man, the myth, where he's uh, where he's come from, where you're born, raised? Give us a little bit of background on you, Justin. Yeah, I, I grew up Southern California and uh, for college, I went to the United States Naval Academy. And that meant that when I graduated from college, I went into the military and I, I served on nuclear submarines for about five years. And at the end of that, really had no idea what I wanted to do. So I, I went to business school, was fortunate to go to Stanford. And it was really the first time, embarrassedly, that I'd ever thought of where companies come from. And one of the things that was so exciting for me was the thought of like, man, if I can find something in the world I dislike, something that's inefficient, I can find a way to solve that. And if there's other people who have that same problem, I can build a company out of that. So I, I raised uh, $3 million for my first startup, which was called Storybox from Google's chairman, Eric Schmidt. And it was a both a great and a painful experience. Um, great in that I got the opportunity to build a company from the ground up. Um, it was awful in the sense that I had no idea what I was doing. I had a lot of leadership training in the military. I had some theoretical knowledge from business school, and I had a tremendous amount of passion. But I made a lot of mistakes in terms of leadership, in terms of finding a product to sell. And so it was kind of a, an eight-year roller coaster journey. Um, Justin, I got I to gotta yeah. stop you for a second. Cause yeah. You said nuclear nuclear submarines, and <laughs> and I got lost after that. Yeah, um, I, <laughs> yeah. I, but um, I actually just want to back up. Where where did you say that you were uh, born and raised? Uh, Fullerton, California, in uh, Orange Fullerton, County, California. Okay, yep. great. And then uh, now you when you said you went um, 
to join the military, uh, does that mean you went to, forgive me, um, mm -hmm. does that mean you went to like West Point or something like that? Yeah. Yeah. The West Point's for army. I went to the Navy's okay. version of, of West Point, but, but very exact same thing. Yeah. And, and what do they, what do they call that? Uh, just the Naval Academy. It's a lot, a lot less Academy. fancy, a little bit more straightforward. Is that in, is that in Norfolk? Uh, Annapolis, Annapolis, Annapolis. I did spend oh, time yes, in Annapolis. Norfolk though. That's right. Yep. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, I've, I have, um, I've met a number of uh, different uh, U.S. military members, the Naval especially, because I used to live out in um, Halifax, Nova Scotia. Yep, and so you guys, used, you guys used to like to bring, uh, <laughs> I'm going to call them your boats up there, but uh, they're more like small cities uh, yeah. that you, you guys can travel on water with and come up there. And obviously, we have a really large harbor over there. So uh, yeah. I got to meet uh, a lot of your fellow servicemen. But um, so... But of course, those were aircraft carriers. If there was a nuclear submarine, I wouldn't have seen it. So <laughs> no one would have. That's yep. why they make the movies. Um, yeah. Okay. So, uh, all right. Because I, I, I got to, I, I want to get into the business part. But before I get yep. that, I want to get an idea of who this kid is from California and how he got into nuclear subs. Yeah. It's, um, one of the one of the nice things about going to one of these military academies is that you're spending your summers like your internships instead of having a million options you have like six options you could go run around with navy seals you can go run around with marines you can go on a submarine you can go on a surface ship you can go on a jet and you're steeped in this culture. So, you know, when you're eating meals, you're talking to upperclassmen who have already decided on what they're going to do. Okay. And, you know, it felt like a microcosm of, of getting a sense of like, oh, I really like these people. They tend to go to subs, you know, submarines. It's a very intellectual group of people. They've got a good sense of humor. And when I did my summer internship on submarines, I really liked it. I liked yeah. the lifestyle. And so you were able to kind of, try before you buy and then there's a whole application process for where you go but i do feel like submarines are are misunderstood in that it, sorry uh, i was doing the, yeah. you you said you got to trial it so i was like you yeah have to do the, all right we got to turn simultaneously one yeah. two three the, the key exactly yeah they i think that people view it more claustrophobic than it is and um you know, it was it was a nice rhythm because when you were out in the middle of the ocean, you had nothing really to do but work. So you would work really hard. And then when you were back on land, it was a much more lax uh, schedule. And I kind of like that all or nothing mentality of like, when I'm going to work, I want to be all in. And when I'm not working, I want to try and unplug as much as possible. Yeah, I, I, I love it. I um I kind of call it the lazy man's way. Uh, I I work hard and I work extra hard when I'm working just yeah. because when I'm not working, I don't want to work. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, and there's so and much, then I you know, married and found it that doesn't work. So there there is a great there's a great book I love, though, called Deep Work. And um, the author, Cal Newport, makes a really yeah. good case that in order for us to be creative and i feel like entrepreneurs by definition have to be creative in order to be creative we have to have time to have those creative juices restore and so he makes a big case for like look if you're working until five you gotta be a hard stop at five off of email off of your computer until 
6 a.m. when you start the next day. Like you really need that distance to get your creative energy back. And and I I like to mention that because for myself that's been helpful. But I feel like a lot of pop popular culture today is encouraging people to work 24-7. And I think yeah. that's detrimental if creativity matters to what you do. Wow. Yeah. That that's really interesting because I've found that I tend to like to just you know, when you're in gear, just keep stay in gear and keep going. Yep. And um until I'm tired then i'm like okay i'm done yeah. now and yeah and i stop but um i can say this as i'm starting to get a little bit older i'm noticing the need to uh slow down yeah uh, no not slow down take breaks uh yeah. take breaks to refresh so but i'm but that's really interesting that you say that specifically about creativity um because I've found that there are times where I'm like, mm, you know what? I feel like I've lost some creativity. I'm doing, I'm still firing. Everything's going. And you, if you've yeah. done things long enough, you can still perform at a high level, but you can almost sense that that creativity is not there. Yeah. Um, so now with, let, let me just ask with regards while you were in the military in a, in a tube, pressurized tube under the yep. water um is there a lot of creativity that that gets mm. that you get to express in that role oh man i've never been asked that that's a really good question i i feel like there is so there is a tremendous amount of structure on submarines there's there's literally when you go to the restroom there is a procedure mounted to the wall on how to flush the toilet like everything <laughs> is a procedure Right. And, you know, I remember one of the call it projects that I have was there was like a system that we had to track if something was breaking on our submarine. And there's like, you know, so many thousands of tiny, tiny components that aren't critical, but you need to have working properly. And so my captain had assigned me the task of figuring out why we weren't tracking it properly and how to solve it. And the process that came about from that over weeks and weeks involved a lot of creativity. It, it involved a lot of meeting with people, hearing what their ideas were and synthesizing this. So I look back on it and there were pockets of creativity amidst this, you know, backdrop of all of this structure. And, and you know, one thing I'll say there, because I, I my, my podcast is geared towards military veterans. I'm still very connected to that community. I feel like the biggest misconception people have of veterans is that they're just rule followers. But my experience, mm -hmm. and I've interviewed 411 now for my own podcasts, these are by and large extremely creative problem solvers. They're often given limited resources, a lot of pressure, limited time constraints, and they have to come up with a solution. And it, it's like it's like improv. It involves a lot of on your feet thinking. And so I really it really um, irks me that people stereotype veterans as uncreative rule followers when my experience is, is exactly the opposite. Mm. You know, that's really interesting that you point that out. A couple of things that that I just heard. One is you found a way to be creative um, in a pressurized tube uh, yep. under the water and uh, <laughs> where we know that that's not a, not a good idea for uh, Bruce Banner. 
to go. Yep. Um, but um, so you found a way to be creative there. And, and I think that there are a lot of, especially younger people that are men, people of all ages that have difficulty finding creativity in whatever their job is. And, and I think you pointed to something when it comes to structure, because we all know that there's a ton of structure in the military, and yet you found a way to still express uh, your creativity. You still found a way to, uh, to thrive and, and bring that out. Well, I, I would challenge you that, you know, my view is that we're all creative. It's just a matter of giving ourselves permission to allow that creativity. And, and I'll tell you the book that I love the most on this. I've read it twice now. It's called Big Magic. It's by the lady Elizabeth Gilbert who wrote the book Eat, Pray, Love, which I, I haven't read. But this book is, is about the art of creative living. And she's, yeah. she has this line in there where I love where she talks about like no one in the history of the human race has ever put crayons in front of a five-year-old and the five-year-old's like, oh, you know what? I'm not, I'm not an artist. I can't do this. Like every five-year-old grabs the crayon and just goes to town. And I feel like throughout life and school and jobs, we, we kind of get that beaten out of us rather than embracing. Look, we are all, we as human beings, we are creative animals. And this is just part of us that has to be, you know, it's a part of us that has to flow out into the world. And so oftentimes for myself, what inhibits my creativity is me just not, that's me, it's not me. Steve Jobs, oh, he was so great. That's not me. We put it as a birthright of others rather than realizing we're all creative. We just need to give ourselves leeway and permission to express and experiment with that creativity. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then, and then there's the, well, sure. Justin's saying this. Cause I mean, he's got a podcast with 411 <laughs> guests so far and he's still going and he was on a nuclear sub. Uh, is there a way to, for someone to bring, you know, to, to let themselves be creative? Hmm. I think that, I think that the more successful we are, at least for me, the more I fear failure. And I think that failure is intertwined with creativity. Like cre it's like, it's like jazz. There's no, you know, you listen to someone playing great jazz. It's not like, oh, they missed that note. It's just, it's all part of the performance that it's just, there is no right or wrong. It is an expression. So I, I think that there's ways to start small. And I'll, I'll tell you this morning, one thing that I was doing and I'm trying to do more of is journaling. And I, I, I was journaling because I, I, you know, very honestly, in my business, Captivate.ai, I was hitting a roadblock mentally where I felt stuck and I didn't know how to use my time. And so I, I pulled up my journal and I just started writing and just started expressing exactly what I was feeling. I'm feeling frustrated. I'm feeling overlooked. I'm feeling, you know, I feel like I don't know what to do. And in the course of about seven minutes of just stream of consciousness writing, 
I started to come up with next steps. I started to come up with advice for myself. And, you know, I view that as creativity too, of just tapping into our subconscious and giving it voice. So I like to touch on journaling because it's something that any person who has a pen and paper or a computer can do instantaneously to just give an outlet to what might be the unvoiced creative ideas in their head that it's hard to access them in our head, but what for some reason when it's in front of you on a screen or on paper, it becomes more tangible, it becomes more actionable. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um I I personally hate journaling, but yeah. <laughs> my wife's always trying to get me to do journaling. Uh, I actually like drawing, um, interestingly. Mm. And I think I use it. What I'm hearing is is being able to express and uh, all the things in in that subconscious, and and I heard you say something there about uh, failure or fear of failure. Do you find that that's that that has grown for you? Because you said, you know, as you gain more success, we get we have a greater fear of failure. But as an entrepreneur, and I can't really say as much if you're in a job, but I found that as an entrepreneur, I've almost gotten more comfortable with mm. failure, um, like bedfellows or something like that. So I, yeah. so I don't know that, that conscious part of that subconscious part is an interesting, I don't know. Can yeah. you say something about that? And it's, that a, it's a good, it's a, it's a good question. Cause I, you know, like you have been, I being an entrepreneur now for over a decade, I feel like I'm pretty willing, like this morning, I spun up two new sales experiments and I don't feel like my identity is wrapped around whether it succeeds or fails. I feel like in that regard, it's kind of like, okay, this is a rough hypothesis. I'm going to get some information and see if it's worth pursuing more of. And I, I feel like from that sense, I'm, I've been inoculated from failure. Yeah. I'll, I'll tell you what ramps up tenfold though, is comparison. And I find that, um, you know, oftentimes a few seconds on LinkedIn can throw me off my groove for a day. Like I can see an entrepreneur I know who just got 10 million in funding. And then my inner monologue becomes, oh, why haven't I raised 10 million? Or am I wasting my time on this? Or have I wasted my life? Or am I not an entrepreneur? Like this, 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 um, talk track of negativity sparks very, very quickly. And it's always for me more comparison than objective success or failure. Mm -hmm. And I feel like what's, what's worse about comparison is it's all relative. And so even if I were to sell captivate today for $20 million, I might find someone on LinkedIn who sold their company for 50 million. And now what I viewed as a success is by comparison a failure. And so for me, comparison is like a really a much more dangerous phenomenon than failure or success because the bar always changes. Then I sell a company for 50 million. Well, this person sold it for a billion. What's wrong with me? Like the the the, the finish line is never within sight. It's never within grasp. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, comparison really is such a destructive force, right? And yeah. clearly comparison is is a killer. I actually tell my kids that uh uh you know, judgment is the killer of dreams. People apply mm. too much judgment to their to all of those things whereas, you know, for a guy like yourself who's 
interviewed so many people on your podcast. There's probably a whole number of mistakes that you've made along the way. And yet you have built so many great relationships. You've been able to do exposés on so many amazing um, individuals because uh, yep. you specialize in veterans. So, uh, you know, it would be foolish to try to compare that and uh, and somehow diminish that contribution. Yeah. I've, and, you I've know, I'll ask, share two. Yeah, I'll yeah. share just two quick tips that have helped me. This is because this is something I really struggle with and I'm working on. Um, I work with an executive coach. And one of the pieces of advice he gave me that's been really helpful is, is the question of like, he said, Justin, who is your audience? Like, who, who do you mm -hmm. care about? Like who, who is actually, who actually matters? And when he said that, I realized that my quote unquote audience at the time was every human being on, let's call it LinkedIn. And mm -hmm. I'm viewing them judging all of my actions and decisions. And when he asked me this, I, you know, I thought, okay, there's my, my wife, I have a two-year-old son. I've got, you know, half a dozen friends that are really close with, I really value their opinion. They really know my story. They know what I'm capable of. And as soon as I maybe, you know, zoomed in on those people, I started being less critical of myself. I started being less conscious, self-conscious of like, well, do people view me as a success or a failure as an entrepreneur? It just took a lot of this weight off of the perception that I was afraid of in this comparison game. So that's, that's one piece. And then the second piece is I, I just read this article in runner's world magazine about this, I don't know, 30 year old woman in England who is taking her summers and every break she gets to, to run around England. So she'll, you know, run 30 miles and then the next week and she'll run, you know, pick up where she left off. And she's just trying over the next decade to, to run completely around England. And when I read that, I was like, that's so cool, right? Like no one's going to know about that on social media maybe, but like she has given significance to this. She has said, this is something that's important to me. And this is something I'm going to do. And it was this reminder to me that like we, that's the gift in our life. We get to choose what matters. Like maybe for me, I'm choosing that I want to build a company from scratch and that matters to me. Great. That's my personal path. And I don't want to judge someone who's making billions of dollars at a hedge fund. That's not the path that I'm assigning meaning to for myself. And so mm -hmm. that's something I'm trying to cultivate more in myself is this is the swim lane that's important to me. I don't want to be distracted by people pursuing other shiny objects that are great that aren't important to me. I want to assign meaning to the things that matter to me. And I want to pursue them wholeheartedly without comparison or distraction. Yeah. Well, and now what I hear that is that as you're striving, as you're moving in that direction, there, there are things that are pulling at you, uh, mm. uh, you know, almost as yeah. ways you, you made it sound like you're, you're trying to not see the the shiny objects and that. Um, is that is that a fair statement? And can you say something to what it is about that that pulls you? It's uh, li literally this is so top of mind. I, I met with my coach yesterday, and the the word my word of the day. If this was like Sesame Street, my word of the day <laughs> is com is commit. And we're in a situation at Captivate. We've got we've got two different products, and we're considering a third one. 
And he was really pushing me saying like, look, you're at a stage where you can do one or two products. That's it. You can't really introduce a third. And it was so excruciating for me to commit the next six months or three months to just do, just focus, let's say on one product. Let's really make mm -hmm. that the best. Let's not get distracted. And what I realized is that by committing to one product in my mind, I'm missing out. Well, what if this other product is better? What if this other product would be bigger? And it's so hard for me to close doors and to say, you know what, this is what matters most. And this is all I'm going to do. And it's, you know, I think that probably at points in my life that would have been true <laughs> of dating, <laughs> right? Yeah. I'm sure that people, when they're looking for, if they want to, to get married, they might have difficulty saying, okay, I'm going to choose to spend my life with this one person and say mm -hmm. no to everyone else. Certainly in careers, I've felt that and where you live, but like, I'm, I'm trying to be more comfortable in life saying no to things so that I can really give my full attention to one thing, even if I don't know if that's the best one, even if there might be something better out there, I realize there's a cost to just wanting to have all my doors open and feel like I could pursue anything at any one time. Yeah. Wow. The word of the day is commit. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I love that. I, I love that for a number of reasons, partly because I don't know that I really believe in motivation or confidence anymore, uh, because I believe that we ultimately act from our commitments, what we're truly committed to, whether it's conscious or subconscious. And, um, and oftentimes, those commitments are subconscious. And, mm -hmm. and I love what you were saying in terms of writing things out. So let me, let me, I, I want to, I want to find out a little bit more, but maybe we'll come back to that later. I want, let's jump, let's jump into the business. Cat, yeah. can you just tell me a little bit about uh, Captivate AI and, uh, you know, a little bit of your business history? Yeah. So I started Captivate AI last year and yeah. um, the premise was pretty simple and it came out of my own podcasting experience. It came out of my old startup story box. Yeah. Um, what I realized is that a lot of companies invest in webinars, they invest in podcasts, they invest in events, and they put a lot of time and effort into these things and they get fractional value. They get maybe 10% of the value of a podcast, a webinar, or an event. And what I started to do with Captivate was go to these companies and say, look, give us the video of your podcast. Give us the video of your webinar. It's let's say an hour webinar. Not everyone's going to sit and watch a full hour of content. <laughs> so what we're going to do is we're going to find the best snippets. We're going to find the best 20 second video clip on this topic. We're going to find the best 45 second video clip on this topic. And we're going to turn that podcast into a month of social media content for Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, all of these things. Mm -hmm. Not only does that give the company more value from their hour long video, but they get 30 different data points because as they post this bite-sized content to social media, our system starts to track and see, okay, what message is working? Who is it working with? How is it working? 
And that helps us get smarter the next time they upload a podcast so we can find the best snippets. So we've created this kind of self-improving system to help people use long form video content to create snackable content for social media. Yeah, that now that's that's really interesting because of course the the challenge is you put you put out content and you really have no idea what what's going to hit you almost have to let the market decide but you are able to do that in a system systematized don't know if that's a word way um mm -hmm. to be able to to look at it and go okay hey here's our message here's who's liking our message and you can actually start to dial in to who's interested in your format but let me ask this question about that does that give you the information that you need to because if someone's got a, a one hour they've got a, a long form podcast and but people are resonating with some of these short snippets does that mean that people are going to want to translate to following the long form it it depends so you know i like to tell our clients that our goal at captivate is to create compelling content that's going to capture people's attention yeah and and what the company does with that attention is none of my business so <laughs> okay, you know right. from this podcast let's say let's say there was a really good soundbite that i had on whatever topic you might yeah. take that video you might post it to linkedin like, like the word of the day is commit. The word, the word of the day is commit exactly yeah. and let's say you post that across social media one option is you use that clip and then you say, hey, in the comments, I'm going to link to the full episode if you want to go check that out. That's that's a perfectly good option. Another mm -hmm. option is you might post that and say, hey, you know what? I've in interviewed 30 people and I'm doing a webinar next week on what I've learned. Sign up for that webinar. That's mm -hmm. a great option too, right? Or maybe you don't have any call to action. So we're just trying to provide ammunition for captivating your audience. Yeah. And then you get to choose what's the best use of that attention. Is it directing them to the podcast? Is it directing them to YouTube? Is it directing them right. to an upcoming event? Is it driving them to order a book? There's so many things that you can do once you have people's attention, but the real problem is how do you get it in the first place? Right, I love how you did that. <laughs> Captivate. Yep. Just, yep, just snuck that in there. Um, yep. I. I've got to ask the question because you, you you had mentioned about your um, your hundred and thirty five million dollar mistake mm, <laughs> because you yeah. fell in love with with uh, a product and I really want to hear about this. C can you yeah. tell us more about this? Story? So because I think everyone deals with this. You fall in love with something rather than what you're whatever it is you actually want to achieve. So. Yeah. So at the time, this was back in probably 2012, um, Storybox was actually called Video Genie. So the word video was in our name and we were all about video testimonials. Exactly. And I had just raised, um, you know, a, a $2 million round. I had a lot of money in the bank. I had a lot of smart investors around me. And everyone was saying video is the next big thing. Video is, you know, the best performing thing. And so we were going after that whole hog. That was all of our focus. And I kept on getting feedback from customers who said, 
we really want to make use of photos. Hey, Instagram is becoming bigger and bigger. We really want to tap into the power of Instagram. And it was coming from dozens of customers, all shapes and sizes. And I, you know, being the cheerleading CEO was, nope, we're video genie, video testimonials, videos better than photos. This is why I was basically telling our customers why they were wrong. They were telling me honest feedback and I was making them wrong for what was true for them. And what happened was a company came along they focused only on photos, only on Instagram. And years later, they sold for 135 million. And at the time, you know, I definitely didn't sell for that. And so for me, one of the, the painful things that I learned from that is I want to make sure that in Captivate and every company I do after this, that I am more in love with my customers than I am with my product. And I, and I try to remember this on a daily basis with Captivate, that as much of my time, energy, and love that I've poured into our current product, if I start to get feedback consistently that they need a different product or that there's a bigger opportunity, I have to be willing to let go of this baby of my product in better service of the market and better service of my clients. And so I, I don't, I don't want to pretend that this is this clear cut thing where you just know, oh, this is the better business. And I, and I always like Henry Ford's quote. He says, if I listened to my customers, I would have built a faster horse rather than the Model T, rather than the Ford car. And so it's like, it's not as, it's not always as simple as, you know, a customer asks for something, therefore you should build it. But I do think if you're consistently getting feedback in a certain direction, you have to be honest with yourself and be willing to ditch the, the current business in service of what might be the bigger opportunity. Wow. Okay. So I, I think you, you just said a, a whole lot, but one of the things I've got to ask there is, especially for, I mean, obviously for entrepreneurs, but anyone in anything they aspire to, there's always this dilemma of, do, distractions. Yeah. How do I know something's a distraction versus it's an iteration? It's a direction to go. How do I know that? Because customers will, people will ask you for everything under the sun. How do I know to to do? And and I'm in finance, so I I see people, um, I see other guys that'll oh I can do everything. I'll do this this this. Yeah. They'll they'll do all this stuff because customers ask them to. And, uh, and what I find is that they take themselves down all these different lanes. How do you see the difference between a distraction and, and an innovation? It's, it's, you know, it's something I, I want to be clear. I'm working on. I'm not, I'm not great at that. It's very, very difficult for me to do I, I that. I appreciate as well. the honesty. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I'll, I'll tell you the two things that come to mind is, is first of all, you know, trusting my my gut. I know that we like to do things off of data, but, but the, the truth is that I, you know, I do hundreds and hundreds of calls a week, literally hundreds of calls with prospective customers and current clients. Mm -hmm. And so part of it is trusting the gut feel of like, oh, you know what? I, I've kind of heard this now from 15 of my 400 calls this week. 
that, that's that's somewhat significant. You know, it's not it's not just one person. It's not just one data point. There's something right. there, and and also meshing that with saying, okay, I've got a decade of experience in this social media yeah. space. What what rings true? Like what patterns am I starting to see? It's almost like that blink. You know, Malcolm Gladwell talks about that blink experience of just making split second realizations based on decades of knowledge and having that in your body. So that's that's one component. But I'll, I'll yeah. tell you on the other side, what I'm trying to do a better job of is being really deliberate and intentional in what I'm working on. So in that example yeah. that of my executive coach, I, I've decided, okay, for the next three months, I'm going to put all of my energy behind a single product for Captivate. We're stopping all outreach around the other products. We're stopping everything around that. I'm going to put everything in to a single product for three months. We have theories on what that will drive in terms of revenue and customers and all these other things. And I'm going to give it a three-month go and then pull my head up and reevaluate, is that the right decision? And I have to do that for myself because I'm very attracted to the shiny object. I'm very ADD when it comes to business. And if I don't do that, I start to zig and zag on a daily basis rather than having an intentional strategy for a month, two months, three months, and then pulling back and reevaluating. Right, right. Okay, so I've <laughs> we have you always been like this? <laughs> probably in some way shape or form yeah yeah um you know because because i'm obviously i'm hearing an evolution to you as you've gone through you know mm -hmm. going from a, a very structured world to uh you know creating your own structures that mm -hmm. um almost what i'm hearing is you you're creating your own structures to allow you to be creative yeah. and um and I'm hearing that, uh, you know, even even the power of sharing that you have a um, a mentor or coach that's the, an executive uh, coach, I believe you, you yep. call them. Right. And so even in that, there is a certain amount of structure that you've created yeah. so then you can go back and and be. And get back into your creativity, get back into your building and uh, mad science lab, uh, yeah. mad scientist. Um, so what I what I would ask then is, do you see a difference in your leadership of of you? How yeah. is there something different about how you lead yourself today versus, you know, that kid that yeah. was jumping into the, the military? All those years. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I'll tell you, I feel like um, the importance of self-knowledge is so self-knowledge and, and honesty is so important. And I'll and yeah. you know, I'll tell you that for myself, what's helped with that, I think that I think that um meditation and mindfulness has been very helpful at slowing down and and seeing what is. I'll say that therapy has been really helpful at kind of peeling back the onions of um, unconscious ways of acting that show up consistently that I might not be aware of. And in that, in that sense, a therapist is great at being kind of this like outside observer of like, Hey, you might not have even realized this, but you said this. And it's like, oh, I didn't realize I said that, or I did this and same, same for executive coaches. Um, yeah. And then I'm a big believer. I, I do a lot of what are called men's groups, which are just, um, 
it's kind of like men, it, it kind of changes in form, but it's men just kind of being vulnerable and honest with each other, with what they're feeling, with challenges they're facing and learning to be really direct with each other as well. And kind of both showing support, but also calling out when there might be a blind spot. Yeah. And so, you know, I'll give you a specific example of how I've changed. And this was yesterday. So, um, I, uh, I have a two and a half year old son. He woke up a lot two nights ago. And so when I started work yesterday, the, the whole day I was just dragging, I was, you know, just feeling extremely tired and very depleted. And as a result, all of this comparison we were talking about was in full throttle. So I'm going through my day and every action I'm taking there is this inner critic and this judge of like, I'm not doing it right, or there's other people doing it better and just feeling really depressed about myself and the company. And what I'm really celebrating is that I had enough, you know, over a decade of all of this work, I had enough wherewithal to say, oh, I didn't sleep well. I'm probably not going to feel super enthusiastic about everything today. So let's not make any big decisions. Let's not shut down Captivate. Let's not fire anyone. Let's not get rid of customers. Let's just kind of do the things that I can do reasonably well in this depleted state. And I know even though tomorrow feels a million miles away, I'm pretty sure once I've slept well, I'm going to have a different perspective. 100% the case. Today, I'm like back in the zone. I'm crushing and I'm yeah. feeling good. But I'll tell you that, you know, that comes off of years of having those moments. And, and rather than just having them be a single day, they stretch on for weeks where I start yeah. to flounder and I start to lose traction. Mm -hmm. And so I just share that to say that, you know, I would say I've done a lot of work over a decade to improve my yeah. self-knowledge. I've gotten maybe down from two weeks of floundering down to a day. It's still a day. It's not like it was a second and I was recovered. It wasn't like I was powering yeah. through this, but I'll take two weeks down to a day and maybe a decade from now, you and I will connect on another interview and maybe I'll have gotten down from a day to an hour. But like, it really takes a lot to learn about what trips us up and how to get out of those trips mm. before they cause too much collateral damage. Yeah. Wow. Um, so is there something that you can say about how to cut it down from two weeks mm. to a day? What you've learned, what you would tell yourself back then, you know, hey, okay, look, I know you're going to want to do this. You're going to kill yourself <laughs> for two weeks, beat yep. yourself up, do all of this stuff. Uh, Here's what I'm going to tell you this. Yeah. I think it starts by, it starts by even recognizing, like even having an awareness of what's happening. Yeah. So, you know, yesterday, literally 24 hours ago, my felt sense was the world is collapsing and I'm yeah. a failure and nothing will ever be good. And, and there's little tricks that I've built in. So, you know, this comes up great in when I get into an argument with my wife Anytime either of us says the word never or always, it becomes this little awareness thing of like, oh, I might be, I might be a little bit out of my mind right now. Cause it's never, it's, it's never, <laughs> it's very rarely never or always you never do this. You always do this. You know, that's kind of a sign of like, okay, slow down. Maybe 
the animal part of my brain is in the driver's seat and maybe I need to slow down and take a breath here. And, yeah. and so I think it starts with an awareness. And for me yesterday, the awareness was like, oh, I'm actually feeling pretty down. That's a big win. Just recognize, you know, I'm actually feeling down. The world's not falling. I'm just feeling like it is. And then realizing like, oh, okay, I tend to feel like this when I haven't slept. Oh, and I didn't sleep much last night. So I think yeah. it's just, oh, you know, I think that I, what I would say to my younger self is just try to be aware of what's going on. Try to be honest about what you're feeling. And that takes care of a lot. Yeah. Wow. Let me just say, I appreciate your vulnerability here. Thank you. Just put putting it out there. Yeah. It, it's, it is very refreshing to mm. hear for everything that, that you go through on a daily basis. And these are no small achievements by any means. I, I acknowledge, <laughs> I acknowledge that you lost out on a hundred and thirty-five million dollar <laughs> deal, and you know, yeah. and that is not something you can you just cast off. Um, it it can sit with you in those moments where you know, oh, don't do that again, and and putting it right out there is, I, I really think, is a powerful part of leadership. Right. Thank um, you. And so, yeah, first of all, I would just want to say that. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that, because I think part of the key to to wealth. Well, I always talk about the key to wealth is leadership and you've got to be able mm. to lead yourself first and you've got to be able to, to see those those minefields and, and be able to yeah. to walk yourself through them. And um, and that's everything that I'm hearing you share is even this awareness, you have this awareness and honesty with yourself that these things are here. Even now, at this level of the game, you're yep. still noticing these things and you are choosing to move forward with, with these. Yep. You know, and, and one thing I'll say, and I appreciate all of that. One thing I'll say that I'm, I'm also trying to cultivate is a, is a sense of perspective. And so, you know, especially, you know, several years ago, I would have gotten really down about this massive opportunity that I missed. And, and one thing that I've, I've learned is like to kind of take a step back and say, look, we don't, we don't know how or why things turn out the way they do. Maybe I had that colossal mistake so that a decade later, when I'm on my next startup, I don't make the same mistake and maybe I build something even bigger. Mm. Maybe this is a story that I tell to my two and a half year old son who goes on and does his own thing. And my mistake saves him a lot of pain. Maybe I experience that to connect with you right now in this moment. And maybe someone in your audience is going to hear this and they're going to go on and do something great in the world. I try to, I try to cultivate a sense of curiosity and perspective of who knows, maybe there was some meaning behind that. Maybe that's not the end of the story. Maybe that's just a piece of my own journey or someone else's journey. And just trusting the process, trusting that I learned something from that yeah. that may benefit me or the world in some way that I can never know. Just as I'm getting ready, as we're getting ready to wrap up here, um, I, I want to, it's interesting because I literally had this conversation with my daughter yesterday mm. uh, very fortuitous um and and the conversation was 
around how we love to whatever it is we we like to assign it a good or bad is this good is it bad and what i'm hearing from you is really an acceptance or an allowance for things to just be yes it is it doesn't have to be good or bad it just is and and over a lifetime we may look back and see what that means right as you talked about your son and the impact that that may have on your son and on your family and other businesses oftentimes i look at i mean i've got some scary stuff from my past so i look at that stuff and i go if not for those tragedies those you know (laughs) failures all those screw-ups if not for that would i if not for all that failure could i even have the success that i have now and um and it really is a springboard leaping forward i've got to say this because i i we're running out of time here and I, I want to be sensitive. I absolutely, because mm. you mentioned LinkedIn, I absolutely want to have you uh, get you back, uh, get you LinkedIn. on LinkedIn. Let's do a, a live on LinkedIn. I'd love I'd to love hear that. more about yep. Captivate. Um, but uh, just any final thoughts here that that you have that you'd like to share as as we close out uh this episode i i just i just want to triple underline like i love the the premise one of the premises of your show is this aspect of leading oneself and i think it's so vital like i feel like on a daily basis i'm still trying to do that as well of you know how can i lead myself to perform my best in terms of sleep what i feel my body with exercise what i give attention to And one thing that stands out to me in this moment, and this came up, I had a men's group last night and I was reminded of this for myself, is how much wisdom there is in my body and how hard it is to access that wisdom when I am extremely busy and distracted and there's a lot of noise. So, you know, just quick example, I love to listen to podcasts and audiobooks. I often have them going at all times. But I'm realizing the value of just sitting in silence for a minute or two, driving to the store, not doing anything, not talking on the phone, not listening to anything, just sitting in silence. And I find that when I can make that space to just not be stimulated, not look at my phone, not be distracted, usually I'll get more in my body and I start to realize Oh, like I'm tired or I'm hungry or this person just said that and it really actually irritated me and I didn't realize that. I just start to give more weight room for all the sensory inputs that come from my body. And there's a lot of benefit in that. So I would encourage people. I know that we're trying to make the most of every second. Just know that a second that you spend in silence doing nothing is really valuable and we don't give that enough weight in society in most cases it's probably better than checking your email you know jotting off a text to someone taking an action checking something off there's a value to doing nothing in stillness and it's something i'm trying to incorporate more into my life wow <laughs> there's a whole half hour we could go on on that piece <laughs> right you. there. Yep. Um Justin if if people want to get more of you how do they uh, how do how can they connect with you? 
Uh, Captivate.ai is our website. My email is justin at Captivate.ai. Pretty unique last name, Nasiri, if you want to find me on LinkedIn. Uh, those Those are the best ways. Love it. Love it. Justin, thank you so much for coming on the show and I really appreciate your time. Absolutely want to hook up with you again and hear more about the business and all the great things you do. And until next time, we'll see you you later. Take care, guys.